0: This is GKW. Welcome to another edition of Good Karma Wrestling. Brian Rowitz is on assignment this week. I'm Gabe Neitzel, ESPN Milwaukee. With me, as always, from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, he is Jonathan Hood. A lot of things to dive into in the world of professional wrestling. And I think where we start is the the person that WWE has called the greatest of all time. Every time he comes down to the ring, they call him the greatest of all time. And that's John Cena, who had some interesting Instagram posts of famous celebrities and famous athletes in their final moments uh, after the match that he had um, at Crown Jewel on Saturday and a match in which he went out on his back, went out, did the job for Solo Sokoa, but then hung out in the ring and got the praise and the thank you, Cena, from the Saudi Arabia crowd. So I guess where we start with this, and oh, by the way, also worth noting now, and maybe John knew something, and that's why he didn't show up on Monday Night Raw or anything else, now that the actor's strike is over, he's going to be going back to work in Hollywood. So we begin today's show, Jay Hood. Will we see John Cena in the square circle? Will we see him wrestle again?
1: Yes, I believe that we will see him wrestle again because the way he went out, in Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, that's not the end. It can't end there because in this really Saudi Arabia mania, or whatever you want to call it, Saudi mania, I think that it's it's a nice event. It's a house show for the fans of that country, but you got to have more than that. This does not feel like The Undertaker and Goldberg at the end. It just feels like John Cena is doing the right thing for the business, and that is putting young people over. I love the story because I, I don't think any of us knew how long it's been since John Cena has won a singles match. Mm-hmm. He wins a singles, uh, you know, he goes through the singles match against Solo Sokoa. And I think some people thought, okay, Cena, you're right. You haven't won in a long time. Here's an opportunity for you to beat Solo Sokoa. And the way that Sokoa beat John Cena, it wasn't just like a fluke pin or wasn't nope. outside interference. Just the, the spike time and time again, right into the throat of John Cena and Cena was pinned cleanly. So no, I believe we'll see him again, now here's a question: He could be at a WrestleMania. Will he win that match? I don't know. Um, but all I know is that the way he went the way he went out at Crown Jewel, that's the right thing to do because that elevates Sokoa in a big way. Yeah,
0: I didn't realize it had been that long. Clearly he had won some tag team matches 1-1 when he showed up at the end of last year, I want to say in December, when they did the quick oh, I Haven't Wrestled In Forever thing, and I think he tagged with Sami Zayn against the uh, against the Bloodline. They he you know, he won a tag match on on a SmackDown, a random SmackDown in late December last year. But it's been a while since he's won. I I didn't realize it was pre-pandemic since John Cena had won, had not won a singles match. And I I thought for sure he was going to win this match. Like, everybody, everybody, like, Solo's been, like, the whipping boy of the bloodline. Like, anybody who goes up against Solo, I mean, he came out, he had that undefeated streak early when he got the call up to the bloodline, and ever since then, it doesn't seem like he ever wins. So, like, okay, Cena will win, they'll try to continue some sort of storyline with him in the bloodline, but with no bloodline involvement, at least right now, in Survivor Series slash war games that's going to be coming up here pretty quickly in Chicago, that... You know, I, I guess there wasn't a need for any sort of opponent for Roman Reigns at, uh, at at Survivor Series. So the fact that he went over, like you said, the dominating factor, like that does a lot for Solo Sokoa because he's still John Cena at the end of the day. And I made the argument last week, Jay Hood, that I thought Cena had to win yeah, because you can only keep coming back so much and having ever putting everybody over before it starts stop, stops meaning something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're getting close to that, especially because they used it as part of the storyline with Cena this time around. But at the same time, like if that's it, then, I mean, that's a heck of a way to go out for him to go on, on his back and doing the job for solo. I'm with you. I think we see at least one more John Cena match. I'm just not quite sure when it's going to be because when he's in the middle of projects, he's, he's going to have the exact same issues, That The Rock has had in the past where, yeah, he wants to get back for one more, but he's getting involved in so many different things. It's going to be tough for him to find that break in the schedule. Plus, I would like to think he'd want to go out in front of the fans here in the United States.
1: You know, Cena got beat so bad, I thought he should have been in the first match. Because usually that's the case, right? Right.
0: Well, but they're all taking like the same flight back. So it's not like he can just hop on his own jet (laughs) and get back to wherever he's going. Like when it's here in the States. Wait,
1: so you have him being with the rest of the wrestlers. You don't have him on his private plane. He's with the crew. Boy, that's He's, something,
0: boy. That's yeah,
1: different. Yeah. I think he flew over with everybody else.
0: I think I think WWE, well, we know WWE takes a charter because because yeah. famously it was held on the runway in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago. So we know they take the charter over there at least for the majority of, of the talent that goes over.
1: So here's, here's one thing I want you to, to think about, Gabe, because we hear from Michael Cole and says that this is the greatest of all time, that John T is the greatest of all time. And so, you know, I think that that is um, something that I look at that I'm annoyed with because for a certain generation, maybe that John Cena is the greatest of all time. I've always thought that Rick Flair was the greatest of all time because he actually was a traveling champion, like the, one of the last traveling champions that would go all over the country, all over the world, defending the NWA championship. When I, when I hear John Cena is the greatest of all time, I'm thinking, so Hogan wasn't and Bruno wasn't and Backlund wasn't. Okay, fine. If you want to say the greatest of all time in this era, that's fine. But we've had this discussion on GKW before. John Cena was champion when wrestling wasn't really cool in that there was not an AEW. There was a TNA, okay, but there was no AEW. There was no, no real viable second and third option to watch. Cena was during a time where people were bored with Cena. Coast to coast, people would say Cena sucks. And it wasn't because of respect is because they were talking about the front office, talking about mm-hmm. Cena winning again, big match, John winning again. Like, okay, can you give us something different? Can we put Cena in peril where he's chasing for the championship? And if when he was chasing for the championship, it was a short chase. And so I believe that Cena, and I, I wish this was in a documentary so everybody can understand the time. If they put this in a documentary and they show fans across the country saying Cena sucks and how Cena had to wear it, because the fans were mad at Vince and Triple H and everybody else in the front office, I think that tells a greater story for him to be the greatest of all time. Hard to be the greatest of all time when you're babyface and you're being booed out of every building around the world.
0: Yeah. But at, uh, so at the same time, um, it's it's clearly just a marketing thing. And one of those people that you listed, you know, WWE, I guess it depends upon the day. If WWE wants to keep distance between them and Hulk Hogan, Right? Yeah. Like, it, 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 they've they've kept him away at times. They've brought him back at times. One of the other people now works for the other company because he was able to come to a deal with them for his energy drink, so he's going to be hanging out with his old pal Sting uh, on Sting's, you know, ride out for AEW. So, it's easy for them to go greatest of all time because they know John's not going anywhere. Like, yeah. John's, you know, John's in their back pocket. John's always going to be a WWE guy. So, that's, th- that's why they, they get away with doing that. But, Yeah, I mean, 16-time world champion, he's going to have all the accolades. But in terms of being a company guy, I mean, it's like him and Undertaker in the last, what, 30, 40 years? In terms of being a WWE company guy, it's those two that hold the pillar, which is why he's ultimately going to get that nod
1: from someone someone like Vince, someone like Hunter. Yeah, this is is why Vince McMahon, I don't know why he's coming around. I know you've seen this as well. That little meme of Vince McMahon talking about The Undertaker and couldn't yeah. do it has to cut. I can't talk about it, pal. And he starts crying about The Undertaker. I'm it's like, been that... a meme for everything now.
0: Yeah. Well, why is it coming around now? Like, that documentary came out, like, two years ago.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't understand. People just found this, of, of Vince. Like, uh, okay, whatever. When, when it comes to Crown Jewel, though, you mentioned it was a house show. You know, it's it's basically a house show. And I yeah. feel like WWE's done a better job over the last year and a half or so of of folding it in and making it more important to grander storylines, getting away from the one-offs of the Goldbergs or the undertakers, HBK, like those guys coming back for the one-off and getting the big pop in Saudi Arabia. But this one still kind of had a house show feel to me because it it just, a lot of the outcomes were, were very obvious. I mean, I, I think, I think, I could have predicted just about everything that happened in these, including Logan Paul winning the U S title. Like it was just obvious, like Logan Paul was going to win the U S title Roman. There was no chance he was going to lose his title. I mean, EO having Kyrie Sane come back was a nice surprise to, to, you know, with, with EO sky and and advancing that storyline with damage control. But, you knew Rhea wasn't dropping her title. Like It, it was just, okay. I mean, there were good matches, right? Like the show itself, if you sat down and watched the show, it was good. But it seemed pretty inconsequential to the larger
1: WWE picture. That's, that's how it always is for me. And that's why I'm going to ask you the question. We don't have Broads here as a referee, so I can come right at you. On oh, boy. Right? Okay. Saturday. What mm-hmm. was the temperature in Milwaukee?
0: uh temperature in milwaukee on saturday I mean, it was a pretty decent day outside i'd say we got to the upper 40s low 50s yeah it wasn't too okay, bad but,
1: but still the golf ranges are open right you 100 100 yeah courses were open people were out people were playing sun okay. was shining it was it was a good saturday same thing in chicago so pretty much in the 50s i think that was the high yeah. 51 52 degrees you know what john hood did he went out that's what he, <laughs> did. he, he went out i'm shocked that you're live texting in our group chat about Crown Jewel, a noon—what a noon start Central?
0: Yeah, noon start okay. Central. I'm mm-hmm. like,
1: why is Gabe watching this? Like, <laughs> of all the three of us, you'd be the one taking advantage the most of being outdoors, last because we're both from the Midwest. We don't have yep. Browitz in here with his sunshine. It's 90 degrees from West Palm. It's you and I basically just taking up the last bit of sunshine that we have, right? Well, and 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 you're inside watching a pretty much a house show. I was yeah. shocked. And I yeah. was like, I'm outside and and Nigel's watching this live. <laughs> well so alive.
0: it was it, it was a perfect it was like a perfect storm of things that came together. So I, I typically do game night on ESPN radio on Saturday nights. Yeah. My parents wanted to get dinner. But they know in order for me to get back in time for the show like we've got to do like an old person early dinner so we had dinner reservations at four (laughs) like there was there was a golf thing with the golf club that i'm a part of but it was up in sheboygan i decided i didn't want to go like and do that and drive all the way up there so it's like you know me and my wife did some stuff that morning and then we just got back and it was like okay why not i'll throw this on until it's time to you know hop in the car and, and drive to go meet my parents for dinner so i watched the first couple of hours live since it was on and you know had to see Byron Saxton doing his best Howard Pitzel impersonation.
1: <laughs> I was just surprised because you know how I feel about this show. Oh if yeah, crown jewel. You know, and by the way, Peacock feels like the way I feel about it. Right? It's mm-hmm. on at noon. Yeah, I got forty-eight hours to watch it. I got the all weekend to watch. Ah, uh, nothing's gonna happen there. I'll watch it later, and that's exactly what the hell I did. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Now Clash of the Castle, different story. Mekintyre oh, sure, was on the line. That's different. Yeah. Now, Hold yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Hold on that's different but yeah, the, you thought you thought mcintyre had a chance la Knight did not have a chance <laughs> like, that's different oh i'm gonna watch that pal right there but for that i'm like I'm, it's just the same game yeah, let's be honest it's the same nine thousand people there kind of dreary dark you know it's just like it's nothing really special there about those shows i've seen this for years where it's like okay it's not skippable but I could be able to pick and choose the matches I want to see. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. if you're a diehard WWE fan, I understand. You got to watch every. You want to watch everything. You want to see it live. All that. But for me, for this event in particular, it's like, okay, this is a house show with cameras. It's what it is. Yeah. It's got a little glitz to it, but for the most part, it's just like for this country. Here's your show, and we're just gonna film it for the United States and everybody else around the world.
0: Well, yeah, because every once in a while, something important does happen. Like they had in the previous iteration, because they go there twice a year. 50 million dollars per show and that's when seth was crowned as the world champ right so okay they had the culmination of that at crown jewel so so every once in a while they kind of pay that off but i mean i, I just can't imagine them doing like a rope like there's you knew there was zero percent chance of roman reigns title run ending in saudi arabia while college football's going on in the united
1: states no so it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just not that's, that's that's not how it's happening they're not gonna no, do it that way. There, there's no way. And and for and the shows are always decent to good. They're never necessarily great for me, but they're pretty solid. You know, the best match in the card for me is the United States championship match because of uh of what we saw there. We saw Logan Paul be able to once yeah. again wow everybody to defeat Rey Mysterio. Like you might have predicted the finish, but just the in-ring action again is so amazing. Old schoolers are pulling their hair out saying, How does this guy come off the street? and look like he's been wrestling for 20 years. And this is, it's not just about practice. This dude here studies. They say he studies, oh, yeah. And I was like, he's giving me a little ultimate warrior. He's giving me a little Lex Luger. He's like going through the archives. I'm like, you know what? I could do this move. I do this move. And it becomes like a retro, you know, retro wrestling match of things that you saw years and years ago. That he's implementing in the match. It just makes it interesting for me. I'm curious to see how much he's
0: around. And I know he said, had the comments after the match saying, Oh, Looks like because i'm u.s champ now i'll have to be around more often which he will because i mean if the u.s title was on raw okay whatever you know that that's fine because seth rollins is there as the champ well raw's got gunther and seth rollins now over on smackdown you've got a part-time champ in roman and a part-time champ in logan paul it just seems like a lot of the work that hunter has done to elevate those secondary titles the u.s title and the Intercontinental Championship, especially with having at the time before the, the World Heavyweight Championship came around and, you, and Roman was the champion of both shows, walking around with both titles. It looks like he's I mean, unfortunately for us, looks like he's gotten rid of all of them. So Paul doesn't have to walk with the, to the ring with all the other like <laughs> titles around his shoulders while Roman has has the belt that they made for him. But like, they have to have one of those champions has to always be present on that show. Yeah. And I I don't know. I mean, clearly Roman's not going to be at Survivor Series. He's not advertised for the show. They're doing war games. He's not going to be a part of it. So he's not going to be around for the next couple of weeks. Hell, I don't know if he's going to be around for the rest of the year until we start getting to Royal Rumble build. So if he's not going to be around, that means Logan Paul has to be around to have at least one of your champions on that show. So, you know, other things don't get lost. I mean, you can't have both of those belts being absent from the show and tell meaningful stories
1: around them. You are, you are correct about that, sir. And for Logan Paul, like anything else, I don't need to see Russell every week, but he gets real heat. Oh, yeah. And so, and so when he gets in a promo and he's setting up a, a future pay-per-view match or a match that might happen to be on SmackDown, he can talk him into the building or just talk him to the TV. That's what you do today. You talk him into the to the television or your device. It's like, oh, I can't wait for someone to beat this guy. That's what you want, right? Yep. The, the classic heel is God, this guy talks so much and he thinks he's so good. He thinks he's so great. And I can't wait for this babyface, babyface X, to beat this heel because he thinks he's so good. He's got this big right hand and he's doing boxing matches and he thinks that his shit doesn't stink. I can't wait. Well, I think that he provides that kind of heat, even in 2023, uh, for the fans of oh, the yeah. WWE universe.
0: Yeah, again, I want to make it perfectly clear. I am pro-Logan Paul being in WWE. Oh, sure. Because because not only with the external stuff that he does, and he had a great social media post of all the things that he's doing with the U.S. title. Like, he's laying his bed with his wife. Like, his wife is spooning him. He's spooning the U.S. title. <laughs> he's, he's showering with the U.S. title on. He's 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 on the treadmill running with the U.S. title. Like I, I understand like the appeal of all that. Yeah. But at the same time, like you can't while you're chasing some of those ancillary fans, this is something that other two other sports that I really love and follow, baseball and golf, have struggled with. Where they want to appeal to a broader audience because they, they feel like they're getting too niche. But at the same time, you can't undercut your core value, your, your core base. So mm-hmm. by not having that championship presence on a regular basis, like you said, like he doesn't need to wrestle. He just literally needs to show up and be on television every week, and that's all he needs to do. And, look, I, I have no doubt that this guy's putting in the work necessary. You've seen every match he's put on. It's Again, it's dumbfounding how just of a natural he is when he's in the ring. It's awesome to see. I just need to know that he's going to be there every
1: Friday night. Maybe that's the next opponent for John Cena. Ooh. Just, I mean, just an idea. Since we're talking about the Cena topic, I mean, like, will he ever wrestle again? Yes, it might. Maybe it's maybe it's him, you know? Because because we start to see this roster, both Raw and SmackDown. We like, okay. So you've gone through Austin Theory. You've gone through some of these other young guys. Like, what's the next opponent? It's not going to be Roman. Okay, it's not going to be Gunther. So I'm just it makes me wonder. As you always say, WrestleMania is the one for like the the mainstream for the yep. outside wrestling mm-hmm. fans. What if it's Cena against uh, Logan Paul for the United States title? I, I'm I'm into that. I think Maybe. that's good. And
0: if that's a Cena, I guess the last thing to ask about Cena before before we move on, okay. because there's the oh, there's always the thought of to be you know oh, old school guys go out on their back. Well, there's not more of an old school guy than Taker, and he did not go out on his back. He no, went he out victorious, and and granted, it was the the cinematic match that they did for, you know, the, the Thunderdome WrestleMania, but he didn't go out on his back. And it just seems that in, in 2023, it's really hard for high level guys to go out on their back because they're all unretiring anyway. Yeah, You know, like, I mean, I mean how many, how many last matches has Ric Flair done at this point? You know, it's, it it's just, guys are going to always come back for that last bite. So it's just kind of hard to tell when the last match is going to be and if they're actually going to go out on their back. But I could see Cena, I don't, I don't see Cena wrestling elsewhere. I don't see Cena popping up in AEW showing up for a, an indie run here or there. So he could be like him and actually the rock. If the rock ever does come back, like those could actually be two guys who have their last matches going out on their back.
1: Yeah. I have no problem with that. No problem with that. I just, it's a longer conversation, but I just will tell you that like, it's, it's amazing what happens when a wrestler goes away. Someone that you get tired of watching, oh, my God, here he comes again. Here he comes talking. Here he comes winning all the big matches. No room for growth, smashing or squashing the young talent. He goes away, and then it's like a brand-new character. I mean, yep. look at the reaction he's getting. Look at the tickets sold just
0: mm-hmm. to know
1: that John Cena's around. It is just uh, it is amazing, his career. The shit he had to eat from the fans and from the internet wrestling universe right <laughs> to where he is right now where he's getting respected now so oh uh, so no no 17 or no 16 time championship huh he's not going to win another championship he's not no. going to surpass rick flair right no nope okay
0: and honestly i don't think he wants to i mean i think i i will he clearly, I mean, to be as successful as John Cena has been in this industry and then outside of the industry in Hollywood, like clearly John Cena has some sort of ego, right? Like there's an yeah. ego that's involved there because otherwise he's, he's, it'd be tough to have the success that he does. So there's I, I, there's probably a part of him that goes, yeah, that'd be nice. But I think that ultimately John Cena is like, nah, I don't want to break Ric Flair's record. I don't think he wants to be that guy.
1: Yeah. I, um, I and, and by the way, I guess he won't be because he's nowhere, cl- nowhere next to the title pitcher.
0: No, no. Well, we, and again, we don't know when we're going to see John Cena again. Speaking of world championships, over in AEW, people are lining up for an opportunity at Maxwell Jacob Friedman's AEW world title. We are going to have a world championship match coming up in a couple of weeks at Full Gear with Jay White. Samoa Joe is in the picture. Wardlow keeps on cutting vignette after vignette. Even showed up a couple of weeks ago to threaten Max in person. So who of the three, Jay White, Samoa Joe, Wardlow, who of the three to you, Jay Hood, is the most legitimate threat to end the title run of Maxwell Jacob Friedman?
1: Man, you made it difficult because you didn't add Kenny Omega, so I can't add Kenny Omega because he's also (laughs) part of this as well.
0: Yeah, he is. He did. He had his shot. I don't know if he's, I mean, he's off doing the Golden Jets thing now, I guess, with, uh, with Chris Jericho.
1: It's, by the way, is that a hockey reference? Yes, that Winnipeg Jets, because they're both oh, from Winnipeg. Okay, but it just it's weird how, how those group of wrestlers use the word golden. Golden lovers, golden well, that's,
0: Jets. Well, that's like a that's an, an Omega thing. That's a Kenny thing.
1: Okay, that's just strange to me. I don't know. It's just <laughs> weird. Um, So, just to, as I go into this, talking to you about this game, I, um, I like how AEW is doing this. You know, I know we've criticized the booking or at least the storytelling in this company mm-hmm. for a while. And I like that there's slings and arrows in every direction at MJF because what's the focus? The focus for any company should be the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. This is tried and true. It's old as the hills. Who's gonna make the who's gonna be the champion? Because whoever is the champion makes the most money. That's what the story they used to tell. Yeah. When, I, when I was a kid, that's what I'd read about in the magazines. Wow. If, the, if there's a heavyweight champion, that means that he makes the most money of anybody in the company. That means he gets more acclaim. Actually, not true, but it's a great story, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's a great story to tell. I, mean, it's, I think that's pretty funny. Like, that's the case. But that's been the story. And I like how all these guys from Wardlow to Samoa Joe to Jay White and others are pointing at an opportunity to go at MJF for the championship, because that actually should be the centerpiece of the company. Not comedy. Not the ha ha, but the champion. Okay. So for me, ranking the the contenders, I base it on the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we laid out here is the story. Jay White and his group are more relevant than almost anybody in this company right now. I mean, you may not like I know that we were down on the bullet club or uh, bullet club gold at the beginning, because like, what is it? You got the gun's in there, too, because they're not very good. But all of a sudden, they're elevated where it's like, I can't wait to see them now. Because when all four of them are together on Collision, it's a must-watch. It's one of the most most watchable things on Collision when you see those four together. Because they got the best promo time, they wrestle hard, and so they're interesting. So to me, even though we're going to see this at the Forum in Inglewood coming up uh, later on this month, Jay White is the number one contender for me. Followed by Samoa Joe. Joe just keeps putting his beak in there, doesn't it? Yep. This, when MJF, you think he's got a promo alone or if he's going through some turmoil, here's Samoa Joe. Hey, hey what about me? Hey, I think you might need me. Hey, what about me? You, you know you can't trust Samoa Joe. Followed by Wardlow. I hope, I hope for Wardlow's sake, all this time he's getting on TV, all these squash matches that he's getting will lead to something, like a heavyweight championship run at some point. Because even though we see him for a snapshot on TV and wrestling, when we see him for a snapshot on a promo, Gabe, it's, it's more interesting than Wardlow's ever been. So yeah. I think it's in those three. I think if we line them up, I think it's those three in a row. is super interesting to me because he's somehow now
0: the heel, just because he's opposite of MJF. Even though when you look at, like, he wants revenge on MJF because of all the things like, hey, wait a minute. I beat you. Like, I squashed you. How are you getting all these opportunities ahead of me? Like, he's got legitimate points, and yet somehow he's the heel because MJF has become the babyface. But to me, I've, I feel Jay White has reached that level of the, the guy, the, the heel that you are just talking about. Like, him walking out there and calling it the bang-bang belt every week. It's just like, oh, man, I can't, can't wait till MJF gets his hands on Jay White and he can yeah. get his belt back. Like, and, and I think that's what they're building towards, towards with, with full gear. And with the addition of another pay-per-view right before the year ends for AEW allows the MJF storyline to continue to there. Because again, we don't know if he signed a contract extension. Is it, is there going to be a bidding war of 2024? So I think Jay White's actually the least, just because I think that Jay White is not going to win at full gear. Samoa Joe relinquishing his ROH world champion and world television championship last night, I think, is pretty significant. Like because he's walked around with that thing forever. And he's like, hey, you know what? This thing's holding me back because I want to be world champion and I'm not gonna be able to do it if I've got this. So I think Samoa Joe's the most because after Jay White and MJF, I mean, who's been on television more in the last month for AEW than Samoa Joe? Yeah. Like Joe, Joe is defending that title while also being involved in the MJF storyline. So he's been kind of burning the candle at both ends. Whereas right now, Wardlow's still mostly vignettes, mostly squash matches. I think there's still more build that has to happen there. So I would rank them Samoa Joe, Wardlow, and then Jay White, just because I don't think White is going to win at full gear.
1: Well, I mean... When it comes to to Jay White, though, don't you think that that's the most interesting of the three? as far, Because the chan- the match is coming up soon. Yep. They've been effing with MJF for about three weeks here. Yeah, I know that small Joe has been around and been circling around it as well. But Jay White, though, first of all, that's going to be the best match of the three.
0: Yeah, and J White's going to be yes. the best match, would you agree? Yes. With that? I would I would agree with that. I mean, we've seen we've already seen Joe and MJF, so they'd have to have a different wrinkle to it. And it was pretty good, but in, in terms of in-ring ability, the best two in ring at this point are MJF and J White. Yes.
1: And I, and uh, Wardlow I think should be a future champion in this company, that's just me. Um because he's already had the TNT championship numerous times. I think that a babyface run with him and you really get behind him, marketing him you know, I think that Wardlow could have that Goldberg effect. I do. But, again, it's about the machine that you push behind him to get that to happen. Um, but, you know, I, to me, I just think that this match is going to take place in full gear. is going to be fantastic. Um, if you get the the nonsense of Michigan around the ring and get those guys out of there, one-on-one with Jay White and MJF could be really a banger. I, I look but- forward to that match coming up.
0: But you know, I mean, and I think they're going to I mean, I think it's gonna be fantastic for 25 minutes, but there's gonna be a Schmazy finish. Yeah. Like there's there's just too much with the Bullet Club Gold and with the Who's the Devil storyline that's going on, as well as whoever it is ended up having hiring, having some goons, beat up the acclaimed last night, or taking out anybody who's close right now with MJF. So that's a part of the storyline as well that I would assume. We'd, we'd find out at full gear, or maybe they try to continue to tell that. Maybe whoever the devil is costs MJF, and then Jay White continues to be the champion, and MJF tells different stories. because with Samoa Joe, it, with Joe, it doesn't necessarily have to be Joe versus MJF. Yeah. Like Joe's not going after Max. He's going after the championship. Yeah So Joe Joe, so I, you could you could certainly, I guess, spin it in a number of different ways. Whereas for Wardlow, Wardlow, yes, it's about the championship but there's more of a revenge factor in there where it's more MJF than it is chasing after the AEW World Championship.
1: By the way, Gabe so between you and I, this is some speculation that you and we have not brought up as a show. This whole, who's under the mask? We talked about that last week, or a couple of weeks ago, who's under the mask. But I don't think that three of us with uh, Broitz mentioned what I believe Bully Ray said on Busted Open, and that is, what if it's CM Punk underneath that mask? The devil mask. <laughs> now, now here's the thing. You want to swerve the audience and you want to swerve the boys, that's fine. But again, the WWE uh, uh, reportedly said no. Impact Wrestling's open to, to CM Punk. Of course, they would be open for CM Punk to return. But what if to close the loop on this, CM Punk returns and he's under the devil mask? What about that? That would be spectacular.
0: That would, I mean, honestly, like it would be spectacular. It would be something that would blow everybody's mind. You know, if, Hey, you know what, if, if they're looking around, they're looking at, man, we wish the, again, I don't necessarily care about the ratings, but maybe if AEW looks at collision ratings and going, man, we were hoping we knew it wouldn't be great against college football, and you know, in the fall on Saturdays, but we were hoping for something a little bit more. We know that punk's the guy that can help drive those ratings I mean if if it is CM Punk that would be my my god would that be an unbelievable swerve like that would be and so hard to pull off in today's world of professional wrestling it would be spectacular like it it would be what this, the the biggest swerve since what like most of these swerves end up being like in, in most of these reveals end up being like Oh, Vince was the head of the darkness of ministry. What are we doing? Like what? That that wasn't cool. Like most of these, just whenever somebody ends up getting unmasked, kind of fall flat on their face. Yes.
1: CM Punk would not fall flat on his face. No. As a matter of fact, I could make the case that if it's not CM Punk, it'll be a disappointment. Because I can give you, we can give other names than we yeah. mentioned a couple weeks ago. Like I could say like, you know, underneath that mask is Britt Baker. You know, do, doing this, on behalf of Adam Cole yeah, or something, some nonsense like that. Or I can give you, if it's, if it's not MJF, then I can give you someone else in the company that's going to be on the rise. But -hmm. I just, it, it, to me, it would make sense if they were able to come to an agreement where it's behind the scenes, no one knows it's actually CM Punk. And that whole devil thing makes so much sense. It's coming back after Max and that would be amazing. But if there's just somebody that we always see every week, and all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I'm coming after Max too," or I'm at, then there's kind of a disappointment. It's got to be something big, otherwise, well, uh, it could be really, really a, a downfall for AEW and storytelling.
0: Yeah, if if it's Britt, I think Britt could be fun. Yeah, you know, be, and which would make sense too because she hasn't been on television in a long time. So if it's Britt, I think that could be fun, especially because it ties into the whole Adam Cole, you know, part of the storyline. But CM Punk would like bring together so many loose ends of the, you know, the devil's greatest trick was convincing you he didn't exist, which is a line that CM Punk used and then was used by MJF later. And it just, it just, it, it would be so like, just, "Mm, God, that would be so good. And now I wish you would have told me because now it's not going to be CM Punk. There's (laughs) there's no way it's going to be CM Punk. There's 0% chance it's CM Punk. But now in my mind, I'm like, but what if it's CM Punk? And, and, yeah. that's, and it's, it's going to be like when we all talked ourselves into Cody showing up before WrestleMania and then being disappointed when he didn't show up week after week on Raw until Mania, even though WWE didn't say Cody is showing up. Th- this would be the very similar thing, because now I'm just going to be thinking about Punk this whole time.
1: Well, and- I'll have to tell you, Gabe, like it, it's not good to swerve the boys, and that's a wrestling term for those that don't know. You don't want to let, you know, do something in which the back doesn't know what's going on. Now, I understand, Mm -hmm. like, in today's society with social media, you can't keep anything tight. CM Punk just said in an interview just recently in Chicago. It's just like, you know what, we'll never be able to unionize because the boys are jerks and the ladies are jerks. And they never want to be able to come together for one common cause because everyone wants to do their thing. When you and I talk sports every day, sometimes the story is about how an athlete wants to go rogue. Do his own thing, or mm-hmm. or teammates want to do their own thing, or a coach wants to do their own thing, and that um, phrase at the fabric of being able to come together as a team, and so the same thing with wrestling. Oh, I'm an independent contractor. I do whatever I want. So, you know, what I, why, the reason why I say that is because, you know, for years promoters have had an idea of to do to do things. They tell people in the back and it leaks to Meltzer or it leaks to a, another you know dirt sheet, and it's like. Okay, so we can't keep that under wraps. Now, we know under Vince Russo that he always did stuff to swerve the boys. He did this in WCW. It's like, you know what, Hulk Hogan, you know, you want to play your creative card? I'm going to make Jeff Jarrett lay down, and you can beat Jeff Jarrett, and then you can leave the building, and the actual real-world championship matchup will be Jeff Jarrett against Booker T. Now, that was insane to have that happen on pay-per-view, but it happened because – he, he, he swerved the boys, and he swerved everybody else, but it had to happen because if, if Vince Russo told, hey, everybody, here's what we're going to do. Hogan, you're going to win. You leave, and then we're going to have a real-world championship match. Everyone would know. So in his own mind, he did that for himself just so the boys would not know. When you swerve people, though, it could be um, – now you have trust issues. And so, I mean, maybe Tony would do that, but if you do that, there could be issues in the back, especially if everyone doesn't know CM Punk's returning.
0: You would have to, I mean, to me you would only have to get the blessing of the young bucks and Kenny, right? Like you would have to get your EVPs on board. And I feel that because there's, there's already some parts of the locker room that were CM Punk supportive, whether we're talking about Samoa Joe or FTR or, or, or some of the, you know, the Darby Allens of the world, those guys, but if you get the other side, you know, and, and Jericho, by the way, is one of those people who's not a CM Punk person per se, but also had, I don't know, about a month ago, decent things to say about Punk. Hell, even Eddie Kingston said, I wish things would have worked out differently with Punk and AEW not that long ago. Yeah. But, but if you get the blessing, I feel if you tell minimal people and you go and Tony goes to the Bucks and goes, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Are you guys on board? And if they're on board... Like I feel as long as you get away with telling those guys in Omega, telling the EVPs, you can smooth it over with everybody else because those three can come and go, hey, guys, this is what we decided to do. We were good with it, so you should be good with it since those were the main people who had an issue with Punk and I guess Jack Perry. But we haven't seen Jack Perry since the incident with Punk, so I have no idea what's going on with Jack Perry in that situation. But I think there's a, there is a way you could potentially do it. That being said, there's no way in hell it's happening.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, if it did happen, Gabe, if it does happen, it's one of the greatest stories ever told in the history of the business. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, there's there's no, because. Nope. No question about it. it. Yep. 100%. It, yeah. I mean, it, it would be amazing to be able to come together. Like, look, this is what we want to do. We want to tell this story and see how punk's in on it and saying, okay, well, you got to you got to have a release and tell people that I'm out of the company and you've got to we got to tell this story, but you got to keep it down. You can't tell the boys. You can't tell everyone what's going on. And then I'll come back and I'll be the person under the mask. And then I'm going to show that I'm the guy it, that would surprise many. But if it's not, then I think it's less than. That's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah.
0: The the problem is when you start fantasy booking things in your head and it just yeah, you you can see how it looks and how it works and how perfect it would be. And then when it doesn't happen, there ends up being that little bit of disappointment. But that Yeah, like
1: like it's it can't be Ric Flair because Ric Flair, I mean, even though he says he's being cleared for bumps, he can't do anything about it at age seventy four. He can't fight MJF. No. No. So that's where I'm going. Like Brits, a, you know, a wild card. There's a few other names that we could throw out there, but yeah. we'll have some more time to talk about I, it. But I just think that I heard that um, this week, and I thought that's that was fascinating. Billy. Yeah.
0: Brit's, Brits, right now, of all the names we've thrown around, Brits, Brits probably my second choice. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's such a far gap between what number one, if, if number one's Punk and two is Brit, there's like a Grand Canyon gap between one and two in terms of how good it would be between those two. One uh, of the other big stories of professional wrestling And it ended up culminating a little bit on Monday night raw, but it was announced officially as part of the crown jewel premium live event on Peacock, but war games is back war Games Survivor series is back for a second consecutive se- uh, year. And we have our first war games match. That's going to pit the judgment day uh, as of right now, up against the team of Cody Rhodes, which is kind of cool that Cody finally gets to be in the match that his father invented. Uh, you have uh, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins. We'll 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 definitely we'll dive into fifth members and all that. But War Games has now become kind of a staple for WWE, starting when they brought it back initially for NXT. Yeah. And Survivor Series has been its own, like they they call it one of the five you know main pay per views that they do every year. Should War Games be separate from Survivor Series?
1: Yes. Yes, it should be separate from Survivor Series, um, and, and here's why. So, war games can stand up on its own, especially if you have a good undercard. That's the whole thing about it, right? When you have war games, it's usually five on five and five of your best stars in the main event platform of your company. So, if your undercard's good, then it's like, okay, leading in, oh, some really good, you know, intercontinental matches or really good... Tag team matches, great. And now it leads into war games. And that should stand alone. Not because of tradition. You know how I am. like I can be somewhat of a stick-in-the-mud traditionalist at times with this stuff. But I can understand if they just had war games on its own and just have the best of the best. I think that NXT did a really good job. And again, it wasn't the star power it was in the 80s or 90s. But I think they did a good, a good job of trying to reintroduce War Games, Survivor Series. You know, it's funny, Gabe, I, you know, I watched Survivor Series from the beginning when it first came out. And it's really? like, okay, it just became a cluster because we saw so many of the kind of the same match. And it's kind of like, you know, and in the, in the matches in the ring were like two minutes, three minutes. It's like, okay, that's not really great. You know, you, you actually, you just waited till they they whittled it down to the final two. Then it got fun. But I really believe that they should be separate events. Um, WWE is, is putting up, what, 14, 15 events a year? You have the room to do that on the NXT or the WWE platform. I don't know why it's all bundled in one.
0: My and, and I understand why this view would probably be problematic. But I look at war games the same way I look at Hell in a Cell. They're fantastic matches. Yeah. But also, they shouldn't be their own pay-per-views. And they should be saved for special blow-offs, you know, like when Hell in a Cell was its own pay-per-view for WWE, at times it felt like they kind of rushed, you know, some stories to try to make it seem like they were more blood feuds than they were, because, I mean, Hell in a Cell, it's the biggest blow-off that WWE has for feuds, like it doesn't get, you you can't climb any higher up the ladder, and the same thing if you have battling factions, like this, they've they've been, been able to make sense, the way that the, the Judgment Day has been meddling in all these, you know, the other four baby faces' lives, you know, especially on Monday Night Raw. So they've been it, been able to make it make sense in a build for this. But War Games is like the ultimate blow off. And I, I'm scared that if you continue to force it in with Survivor Series, that it's just going to be a jumbled mess. And yeah. look, I, I kind of get I understand why you, maybe you wanted to get away from the brand supremacy stuff just because nobody bought into it. You know, it, it was, well, AJ Styles was fighting for brand supremacy last year for Raw, and now he's fighting for brand supremacy for SmackDown. Like, it just didn't, it never really quite jived probably the way that they were hoping or wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, War Games is such a violent, tough match. It just seemed, but at the same time, like, you can't just go, oh, we're going to do War Games now at Money in the Bank, because the, <laughs> the arena, the, the The arena has to be set up differently, right? Yes. So it's not like you can just, you know, all of a sudden throw that out there. With Hell in a Cell, you can do that because you're just dropping a cell over the single ring. Seating doesn't have to change. But for War Games, having the two rings side by side changes the seating drastically. So if you are going to have War Games, I understand why you have to have it planned so far in advance because you're selling tickets and the whole marketing thing. But in my perfect world, you'd be able to spring War Games out there and it would have a little more meaning as, oh, okay, this is real serious now, instead of, oh, okay, clearly these guys are going to be in war games. And it just, it, it loses a little bit of that, I think, kind of oomph it could have going into it.
1: You know what, Gabe, uh, in, this, in this fictitious uh, show that we watch, this uh, professional wrestling, you still need to be able to have stakes. Yep. And so... It, it's funny that you mentioned the brand's brand supremacy because there's really no such thing. I know that it's gonna get contentious here. You can already tell uh, between Adam Pierce and uh, Mickey James husband Nick Aldis. You can always <laughs> tell there's always gonna be there's gonna be an issue. Maybe they'll wrestle. Hopefully they'll go wrestle. So oh my two tomorrow. NWA champs going to head to head
0: in a WWE ring?
1: Yeah, I, I, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. I like not a, great, s- not a great
0: look for Billy, but you know, we can get to him <laughs> in a little bit.
1: I'd like to see it actually. But you can tell it's getting contentious between the two brands, but not to the point where I'm a Raw guy, you're a SmackDown guy, and I hope that the red team beats the blue team and all. It's like, that's just so passe. And I think that, I think Triple H sees that as well, because Mm -hmm. it's poppycock. It doesn't really matter, this whole thing of brand supremacy. But you know what? War Games, though, tells a great story. Yeah. Because of how physical and how bloody, you know, bleed as much, but as physical as it could be, right? Similar to the Elimination Chamber in some ways and how physical it could be. Same thing with War Games. Yeah, it's going to be stunts and there's going to be guys, you know, diving off the cage and all that kind of stuff. But for me, in 2023, the Survivor, the, uh, Survivor Series is cool, but the War Games means more. Make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, It does make sense because I'll tell you what, I'm trying to think of like the last decade, like just since, since 2013 with Survivor Series. There's only really two moments that stand out to me, one, one of which didn't even happen at Survivor Series. It was just in the build to Survivor Series when the man was born. When becky lynch got punched in the face by nia Jax, and then yeah. she's standing up amongst the fans you know talking trash as there's just blood all over her face right like yeah. just this iconic becky lynch picture and that because she got hit there and she couldn't even wrestle at survivor series because she had a concussion like she wasn't allowed to wrestle even though so, but that was in the build the survivor series and the other one that stands out to me and, it, and maybe it's because i i was always rooting for this guy. And I thought that this was going to heat his career back up. And then they buried him the next night on Monday night raw. But when Dolph Ziggler was the sole survivor going up against yeah. the authority and he was the sole survivor, I'm like, hell yeah. He was on team John Cena. He was the sole survivor up against the authority and like got buried the next night on raw. And I was just really pissed off about that. But with just one thing of war games and maybe because of the bloodline was involved, but I remember, and, and maybe because it was the most recent one as well, but like, Sami Zayn giving the haluva kick to KO last year was yep. pretty powerful in, inside of War Games. Like, that was a powerful moment that is going to resonate and continue, to your point.
1: Yeah, yeah. To me, that War Games, because it, here's a team. Like, okay, we're going to battle this team. It's going to be physical, and we're going to win the war. Maybe it's going to be – I don't like when it's pinfall, but I love when it's a submission that yeah. no one is a submission because it's like, okay, I give up. I can't take any more because I've had too much punishment. That resonates with me more than Survivor Series. One-on-one matchups, ultimately, you know, five-on-five tag team matchup. I mean, if the women want to do that, no, it's going to sound bad. If the women want to do that, fine. But well, I don't want that for the men. It, and I know that sounds bad, but that's how I feel about it. But
0: if you're going to – to me, if you're going to have war games, and you're going to have the two rings there anyway – yeah. Why would you do a traditional Survivor Series match when you could just lower the cages and just do a women's war game match too?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like I get more heat with the guys than I do with the women. Sure. Like, who, who hates who in the women's division? Everybody hates Rhea. So Rhea versus everybody in war games. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> you talk about, you talk about a battle, right? We're talking about all the different women in there against uh, Rhea Ripley. I think she can hold up. I think she could hold her own. Yeah. I there's do. just,
0: there. there's, I mean, unless you're doing some sort of war games thing on the SmackDown side, but even then I'm not quite sure who's, because you have something brewing right now with, um, I guess you could go Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair. I guess I, I don't know who else would be on their team. Asuka yeah. against yeah. damage control with, with a returning um, uh, Kyrie Sane jo- joining damage control and do a four-on-four survivor series. I, again, I don't know who the fourth person would be on that SmackDown women's side that's kind of been involved in all that. That's that's the only possible way because there's just there's too many individuals, not enough people kind of you know, fighting amongst each other on Raw. It's just kind of every woman for herself. They just did the every woman for herself battle royal on Raw. So the only way if they do one, it, it has to come out of the SmackDown side.
1: I, I think that you just nailed a good booking for Survivor Series on the women's side. Because the action going to be great from the women's side as far as one-on-one competition. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be fantastic because they are the best of the best. But when it comes to physicality in the war games, this is where we're, we're this is where we're missing like the new day in there, right? Because you know yeah. they do all these different gymnastics in there along with the battle. Um that I think I get more of that from the war games from the men than I would with the women. I just that's that's how well, I look at it.
0: That's that's where Kyrie Sane comes in. She'll you jump know? off anything. She's got yeah. a little Shane McMahon in her.
1: She'll jump off anything. Though. No one else could match her, except Oscar, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's it's, Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably the thing. True. But, but I think that we've hit on it. I think that for me, it should be separation between the two with War Games and Survivor Series, because for traditionalists, people love Survivor Series around Thanksgiving. And like, mm-hmm. again, for me, it's become passe. And that's all on Vince, too, because. Oh, yeah. Vince he, he just let it the die. Brands not special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of let it die. We dive into now some different th- and there's plenty of things right now to talk about in news and notes. We begin,
1: <laughs>
0: we begin with TKO, and I, I, I don't understand. So it, with with part of the financial releases and everybody's doing quarterly releases, all that sort of thing in the financial mm-hmm. world, um, under risk factors for TKO, and when we knew that this was already a thing, but they detailed how Vince McMahon. Could be a risk to their business saying, quote, the special committee of independent members of WWE's board of directors investigation into allegations of misconduct by Mr. McMahon and any further allegations and investigations may have an adverse financial and operational impact to our business performance. That is wild to me that like this company knows that Vince could have an adverse effect on them, and yet they're still allowing him to sit on the board and have the position that he does in TKO.
1: Well, did we not say that on this show? What happened is is that McMahon... The great businessman over the years got snookered. He did. We saw we saw this coming, right? Ari Emanuel sitting next to Vince McMahon, and just saying, "Oh no, Vince knows the wrestling business. We love Vince being part of this. Yeah, but he's under some uh, some uh, indictments here that's coming out there. He's gonna be in a, no, no, no. Vince is great because he knows wrestling. Uh, uh, so I'm your boss and want to report to you. Uh, are you a report to me? And he got he got so. Fluffed up by Ari Emanuel TKO, they just want to make this deal. As soon as the ink was dry, they're trying to find a way to part away from Vince. Vince is more of a figurehead now than ever before. Yep, he's not even in creative anymore in WWE. We were worried about that, and he's just—I mean—he is out there like a doddering old man at Saudi Arabia, saying, "This is our new home. WWE. This is our new home." You don't know what you're talking about anymore, old man. Because Saudi Arabia is not your home. It's it's not. The United States is your home. The idea that you're saying that is your home. Oh, you're gonna have a Raw and SmackDown shows on here every week? No. So he doesn't even. Gabe, he doesn't even know what he's saying anymore. He's a figurehead, and he got played. But then again, he's you know he's paid. His family's got paid from this. That's fine. But as far as power, what he really wants, he doesn't get that power. I told you at the time, yep. said, there's only one thing that Vince is good at, is wrestling. He's tried everything else to try to promote everything, like from football to World Bodybuilding Federation. He's tried everything, and he's failed at it. But the one thing that that I think that he's pissed at is that he's only a wrestling promoter. That's all that he's ever been good at. And then I look at him now, a figurehead toward the end of his life.
0: When we started this show over a year ago, I did not think that I could just say the two letters CW and we are about to have the conversation that we're about to have. Because somehow the CW finds themselves in the middle of the professional wrestling world. First, of course, and we've talked about this on the show before, they were the rumored one of the top 20 networks that Billy Corrigan Again, nothing official there. It was just kind of everybody putting together some different pieces. But Billy Corrigan and everyone thinking, oh, CW, that's where NWA is going to end up because he keeps insisting on these things. Meanwhile, WWE swoops in looking for different bidders for all the different shows that they have. And it appears that NXT is going to be ending up in on the CW at this time next year in 2024 when the contract for that comes up and it looks like they're going to head over to the cw and part of it billy Corgan still apparently out there insisting that the nwa has a tv deal in place however other rumors persist that after doing a cocaine spot in their latest pay-per-view that has the people at the cw going huh do we really want to be in business with this guy and potentially that led to the deal that they now have with the WWE. I think I covered all of that, but that's what's going on with the CW and the world of
1: professional wrestling. It is strange that we're talking about the CW network fourth or fifth in line, as far as the networks are concerned for them to be able to be in this conversation for wrestling. But you know, WWE found a home there with the CW, but there's layers to this. I want to talk to you about Gabe. Okay. First of all, for generations, there's been a stigma against professional wrestling, and you know this because if there was not a stigma against professional wrestling, then you'd see WWE Raw brought to you by Chevrolet,
0: mm-hmm.
1: AEW wrestling brought to you by you know well, you know Amazon, whatever, right? They have really had a hard time being able to get into the mainstream as far as um, as far as being able to have sponsorships and well, just now WWE is starting to get that now with K jewelers and everything else, but, but you know how long it took for oh. a wrestling company to be able to have a fortune 500 company to be able to support them.
0: Yeah. The stigma is because even though, and in, in, again, the ratings that come out and like, even though I think raw had a really, you know, overall, the, the, the overall number, whatever, but in terms of what the demographic is, like they had one of the better numbers for Monday night raw this last week, like, Across all of television, but it's hard for them to get advertising dollars because the stigma of the professional wrestling fan is that we're cheap and we don't have money and therefore we're not going to spend money. So people don't want to dive in and get involved with this carny business that is
1: professional wrestling. Well, that's it. That's it right there in a a nutshell. We don't want to put we know that kids will be watching our our, uh, network, so we don't want to have this carny business on our network. Yes, it does great ratings, and yes, you get more young people in it. and You can grow you know, X network with young people watching pro wrestling, but wrestling's not real, so we can't do that. We want real sports because even though wrestling can give you the numbers that you're looking for and to expand your audience, you just don't want them. You don't want yeah. those people. They don't want me and you. They don't want the wrestling fan listening and watching this podcast. But here's the other layer that I want to talk to you about. Okay, I mentioned stigma, right? Mm-hmm. The stigma of professional wrestling, in which Fortune 500 companies or the brands that you use don't want to deal with professional wrestling because of the stigma around it. Oh, it's not real. And oh, it's. Ble- okay. Billy Corrigan hurt the wrestling business in that last pay per view. And you say, Hood, how could that be? Little pay per view, probably didn't draw much. How did he hurt it? Let me tell you how you hurt it. Because of Jim Mitchell who hasn't been over ever in his career. I don't care if it's TNA, WCW, whatever. It's never been over. You let this mid Carter be able to do a cocaine spot on a pay-per-view in which everyone knew about it because it went viral. So because it's just the NWA, people say, well, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, look, they're doing a cocaine spot. You see this in movies. You see this in TV shows. Why, you know, why is it a big deal? Because it happened on a wrestling show. Yep. That's why. Because they want to find any reason not to put it on. And so they do a cocaine spot. Now, I'm not offended by it. You're not offended by it. Because we see this on TV all the time. If we're to tell a story, someone's on drugs or whatever, they do a cocaine spot. Okay, fine. We've never seen it in wrestling before. But the point is, though, Gabe, is that Billy Corrigan, for allowing that to happen, hurt the wrestling business. Because the next time the WWE, AEW, New Japan, Impact, whoever wants to be able to get a deal with someone... I don't know. I mean, are you guys doing cocaine on your show? Well, no. That was the NWA. Well, we can't take that risk. And the same thing, if it is true that the NWA cannot get this TV deal on the CW because of that cocaine spot, then that's a bad stigma on the business. Not just NWA, on the business. Because W, and good for WWE. You know what they did? They were like, I-, I see you have a problem with the NWA. Well, we are family-friendly entertainment. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's take a look at it. Oh, your numbers are pretty good, too. No cocaine spots in these tapes. Come right in. So Billy Corrigan effed it up for himself, Gabe, by allowing that to happen. How, wh- why do you think that that was a good idea? Now, again, I'm not offended by it, but you have to understand that a network would look at wrestling, not a regular TV show, and they will look at wrestling and go, oh, this is lowbrow. This is garbage. I, I guess,
0: I I mean, I don't watch enough NWA to know the answer fully to this question I'm about to ask, but what does it add? Like there's, Nothing. there's, there's no way doing that spot added that much to your show. No, Right. Like there, I, I can't imagine what that added other than, you know, what I saw that was tweeted out and, and put out on social media and the announcers were even like, uh, what do we do? um okay i guess they're just having a good time over there boys will be boys am i right and it's just they they didn't know what to do so they just tried to ignore it the best they could it, it was just it seemed uncomfortable and nobody was that comfortable with it all the way around except for the people who are hopefully pretending to be snorting cocaine
1: you're on the precipice of the, your first tv deal getting off of youtube in which everywhere you look corrigan bitching about being on youtube and saying he's not being aggregated well enough and YouTube's numbers are down, all this other stuff. You finally have broken through to possibility having a network deal. And then you allow that to happen on your TV. And again, I'll say it again for those that are just tuning in. I don't, I'm not offended by it I'm, because we see this all the time. You see this on a CBS show. You see this an ABC show, mm-hmm. a cop show, whatever. Right. But the idea that happens in wrestling, fair or not, fair or not. People will look at that, networks, and sponsors will like, you guys do that on your TV show? Oh, no, we're not going to do with that because that's that's not family-friendly and that's not for kids. Like And so Corrigan hurt the business for, for allowing that to happen. He did. He hurt, he hurt it for everybody across the board. And for those that are looking at us and saying, well, WWE does well. That's not the point. WWE also could go to some place and say, hey, we have this platform. And someone's going to pull up this cocaine spot on this rogue NWA show. It was even, wasn't even was even part of a match. It was just something that they were just showing that that this guy's doing cocaine, and that hurt the NWA. And here, it's smart for the WWE because they're like, oh, there's problems? We'll take that spot. And so now back to the drawing board for Billy Corrigan. Also, on Fightful Select and other places, uh, talent are bitching about Billy Corrigan. It's mm-hmm. to happen. Because uh, Nick Aldis, one of his last interviews before he came to WWE was with Sam Roberts. And he goes, Yeah, I like Billy. Uh, I had to leave, though, because he does, he's not very good at this, at this whole promoting thing. He goes, Well, next thing I want to do is on TV. And Billy's cool. And we had our disconnect, but he's just not good at this. And guess what? To allow that to happen, you're not good at this. And I used a guest in the show, and he was fine. And it, it was good to talk to him. But that is a neophyte. As a promoter in wrestling, to allow that to happen, he hurt the business.
0: Finally, in news and notes, it looks like the card for Wrestle Kingdom continues to come together using some AEW stars. First, it was Brian Danielson who cut a promo despite having a broken orbital bone. It looks like he's going to be ready to go early January at the Tokyo Dome as he wants a rematch against Okada. Meanwhile, I don't know if this is going to be a three way match, but it's going to be, it looks like some sort of new championship belt to replace what used to be the United States title that has been turned into by Will Ospreay to the United Kingdom title. But Mox is going to be going up against Osprey, potentially a third uh, wrestler at Wrestle Kingdom as well, for maybe so, bringing back the Intercontinental Title in uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: So Mox against Osprey, you say? Yes, sir. Mox against Osprey. Boy, that should be a hell of a matchup. Um, <laughs> that's that's going to be it's, wild. It's, the changing of the title, though, I'm confused by. It. I'm confused by all that. But
0: Well, because, yeah, well, like, he's – again, Osprey did it because he's from the UK. He's like, oh, I don't want to represent the United States. I'm going to represent the UK. Yeah. And I know the Intercontinental Championship a couple of years ago was folded in, and they unified it with the World Heavyweight Championship over there. So I think they may just be bringing the Intercontinental Championship back.
1: And as far as Brian Daniels is concerned, what did you say last week when I was out? Did you say that he's a maniac? Oh, he's what an insane person. He's an insane person. <laughs>
0: like it's just like he's he's just a wrestling insane person like there's like like seriously but think about this jay hood like he he got injured on a saturday went hey I know how we can use this to further a story, not just for our company, but for another company. So he goes out there and wrestles on a Wednesday with a broken orbital bone so he can further a storyline and wrestle it in the Tokyo dome. Like that it literally, that's that's the that is the behavior of an insane person.
1: It's a long conversation, but it's almost like the WWE was trying to help Brian Danielson, not hurt him. Yeah. Because here's a guy here that was going to go all out and didn't matter if he's injured or not. He's going to wrestle. Of course, the WWE, you're not allowed to do that. I'm sure that he was telling them, this is who I am. I'm a maniac. I need to wrestle. I need this. Like I need breath. I need this. Like a hobo needs a ham sandwich. I need to do this. And I'm sure that they were like, yeah, yeah. We got to make sure that you're healthy. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, and so, so this has also now made me think over the last week after he, he had the promo that came out, like, is he going to break his promise to birdie? There is no way he's going to be able to stay away from professional wrestling. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I could say like, he's getting this all out of the system, but I'm not sure if he really is. I know that he, listen, I love a guy that feels like he's going to make all the towns, like meaning, oh, the yeah. old phrase of, Hey man, no matter what, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be banged up, but I got to be out there because I got to help the company. I get that. but My God, man, not, I mean you have a life to live after wrestling don't you
0: presumably he's got a couple of kids he's making promises too i don't know again <laughs> i i don't want to make it seem like i like i am very grateful for brian danielson yes like, professional wrestling is better with him i just want him to you know every once in a while take it easy like when you break your arm maybe don't wrestle 10 more minutes with that broken arm or when you break your orbital bone don't 3 days later jump back in a professional and i understand in that match he was barely involved and like he he would he participated because it was a tag match he was outside of the ring for most of it but then obviously had to go back in there to do the spot with orange cassidy and okada to set up the angle that is now going to be going forward at wrestle kingdom in new japan pro wrestling
1: uh, it's going to be wild As, and we wrestle kingdom's always good we always get a chance to get that secret link uh, to watch it. So it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Finally, we arrive. What were your matches
0: of the week this week, hoodie?
1: Okay. Gabe Neitzel. I, I told you earlier in the show and I still feel strongly about it. That my favorite match at crown jewel was Ray Mysterio against Logan Paul. Okay. And, and this is with the tribal chief and that, and I think that it just spoils it when we know that the tribal chief is going to, you know take on the uh the yeah movement and uh and realize that Roman Ray was, wasn't wasn't going to lose the championship. Uh, Logan Paul did more in this match than I saw from the main event of Crown Jewel. Uh Rey Mysterio still good. It's amazing his age can still go. So that's one of my matches. Yep. Sami Zayn against Seth Rollins in the main event of, of Raw. Uh, Monday Night Raw. That should be a pay-per-view in which Zayn should go over. Don't you yeah. think?
0: I <sighs> The, that's what that made me realize, and I had that match down as well, Sammy versus Rollins. Sammy is going to be the World Heavyweight Champion one day, and I can't wait for it. It is going to be, in the, the crowd is going to be so far behind him, and maybe it's against Rollins, maybe it's against somebody else, but I, it, I'm starting to come around on the thinking of maybe Triple H is seeing what I'm seeing, and that Sammy Zayn could be this generation's Mick Foley where he's just this this lovable baby face that people are going to get behind. And he doesn't need a, a long run with whatever world championship you put on him, but he is deserving, especially the work he's done over the last year plus with the bloodline, out of the bloodline. He has been doing some heavy lifting for WWE and he deserves to have a world heavyweight championship run at some point. And I cannot wait for that moment.
1: I, I, I agree with that. Watching that match, it, had me, it gave me those MJF, Kenny Omega vibes. I'm like... Should I be paying for this? Like, yeah. Should, I mean, well, and exa- it's exactly the same thing.
0: Like, yeah. we, we, AEW was criticized for it. WWE should be criticized for it as well. Just to, at, at least AEW gave you three days' warning. We, yeah, we, exactly. We got three
1: hours' warning here beginning of Raw, end of Raw on Monday night. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm just sentimental because I saw that match in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I saw El Generico versus Tyler Black. So I know what that we, match looks like. Wait, Sami Zayn was El Generico. So uh, that's <laughs> one of the other matches. Also, <laughs> also. But um, so
0: I, I don't know if you saw this shirt. I almost bought it, um, but when KO was still on, one of the last Raws he was on, he came out because homage. Um, the TV, the 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 T shirt company has those NBA Jam T shirts that they also yeah. do for other sports. They've done WWE Jam, and they they have available for sale right now. And it's KO and Sami Zayn on the T shirt. And they have, you know, different funny like little attribution ratings that they have like an NBA jam. And the last one for Sami Zayn, and it was all the way down to zero, was Generico. It just said Generico was all the way down to zero. So just, That's one of those like if you know, you know, it's hilarious to you. Otherwise yeah. you're like, what the hell are they talking about? But no, it was – I almost bought I, the T-shirt just for that.
1: I love that. I love that. Uh, Generico. Um, Samoa Joe gives Keith Lee. Uh, and, and you talked about the aftermath of that again shocking mm-hmm. it's just like you know Samoa Joe should have put someone over in ROH or AEW for that championship but Samoa Joe's been so dominant that he couldn't lose and so yeah. he had to give the title up maybe Roman should take notes
0: <laughs> well that's but that's the thing if you want if you wanted to keep Joe hot for potential going over MJF yeah you, he couldn't lose but you obviously wanted the the ROH television title to go to somebody else. So you had to, you know, I guess that was the only thing that he could do. Um, I had from Dynamite. So also from Monday Night Raw, I had Sammy versus Rollins. Yep. Um, from Dynamite last night, I really liked Penta versus Swerve. Yeah. That was a really good match. And then um, Rampage, Vikingo versus Commander versus Penta was as spectacular as advertised. It was just you knew that was going to be really good going in and it ended up being really good. Rampage has actually had some really good matches over the last handful of weeks. Again, if you skipped it, are you missing out on anything? No. Cause Vikingo versus commander versus Penta has zero bearing on any AEW storyline, but it was still a, a hell of a fun match to watch. And I really liked from crown jewel. This will go in my honorable mention. Um, Rollins versus drew was also good from crown jewel.
1: Yes. Very physical. Yep. It's what we thought it would be. Um, you know, at some point we talk about Sami Zayn, Drew McIntyre, great story too. But never, not a good enough story for me to believe that McIntyre could win. Yeah, but the story is true. I won the championship in front of nobody. I feel like I've just been just uh, spinning my wheels here, and now I got an opportunity with a guy that I respect, Seth Rollins, for the championship. And so is as physical as good as I thought it was going to be in that matchup. And by the way, I still like my idea. Maybe I have to send a letter to Tony Khan. I love my idea. You laid out Rampage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, every time we talk about Rampage, the few times we talk about Rampage, we talk about Latin American stars. Yep. I want. I told um, Denise Salcedo this on Sirius XM. I said the whole show should just be Latin American stars. Like led by Roosh. Like the whole oh, thing. Like, sure. Like, no, I'm serious. Like they should they should be Latin American stars all the way across the board, taking on one another or taking on, you know, American stars or whatever, but yet they are the guys that are over. They're the stars of the show led by the the matches that you just talked about there. Just put it on for an hour. Like, I I think it'll be fine. You know, I think that that, because every time we talk about rampage, it's like what you just laid out has nothing to do with AEW, but it's great action nonetheless.
0: Yeah. Very rarely is there actually any story in any match that goes on rampage, but, they have been some pretty good matches they've put on Rampage the last couple of weeks. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. You can always tune in each and every Thursday. Download it wherever you get your podcast. Of course, you can always subscribe and comment on our YouTube page. Make sure you check it out, slash good karma wrestling. You can see it right there. Jay Hood is holding that up as well. Brian Rowitz, he'll be back next week. Plenty of things to talk about as we get ready for full gear, full survivor series. We'll talk about it all right here. On GKW.
1: Hello.